Last week in the Gospel, Jesus presents us with this image of judgment, divine judgment. And in the Gospel for today, we're presented with another, a second, a similar uh, image of judgment. Last week I talked about God's judgment and our guilt, personal guilt and how, how we deal with that, that sense of, of being guilty, you know why that's important for, for the spiritual life. This week, in encountering the theme of judgment, again, I actually want to step back from that and talk about judgment, not in the sense of like particular individual sin and guilt, but sort of the big, the big picture of sin. And the reason I'd like to talk about that is, uh, as I was looking for, through the readings for this week, uh, in the middle of the week, I was uh, triggered by a line from a reading from Isaiah in, in the first reading, where he talks about the web that is woven over all nations. The web that is woven over all nations. This is striking image, uh, I think. And the reason I was thinking about it was even before I looked at the readings for this week, uh, that that verse came back to me. I haven't thought about it in in years. And, and it just came back to me again this week um, because on Monday I finished reading, or should I say listening to, um, White Fragility by Robin D'Angelo. And I'm not really going to talk about the specifics uh, uh, of the book or racism or theories of that. That's not what the, the homily is about. But the book is about racism or a theory of, of racism. And... What I think makes her book different uh, from a lot of other books out there on the topic is that it takes sort of a very high-level view of the situation. It's not about practical solutions to practical problems. Lots of other books on that topic. But if you're looking for concrete suggestions, you know, on how we can uh, improve education or criminal justice system or anything like that, the corporate world, this is not the book for you. She, she gives, as far as I remember, one concrete example of what to do, and it's in, a, in the corporate world. And it's a good suggestion. But her book's not about that. And so I, I got done with the book, and I'll say, you know, she, she disagrees strongly with Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., um, who I like and agree with. So I, I disagreed uh, in many ways with her, but... But she hit number one on the New York Times bestseller list and on Amazon. So she's speaking to a lot of people. And I ask myself, why? What is, what is it ab about this book that is, is speaking to people? And my, my theory was it was precisely because she talked about the problem at this overarching level. That lots of people talk about the nitty-gritty, but she's providing a big sort of global picture. And I thought about it, and I'm like, you know, we don't we don't have a lot of those in modern society. Um, and the one we used to have, sort of the the Christian sort of global view of sin, has very much receded into the background. And and so I thought maybe part of the explanation for the popularity is simply because she's willing to tackle the question at that kind of level. 
and I had a chance to test this theory. Um, so most of the reason I read the book was because I know a Hope student who uh, read the book and liked it and wanted to talk about it. So I said, all right, I'll read it. Um, and I read it and, and we talked about it. And then I said, and then I asked, I, I put the theory to him and I said, hey, let me ask. This is why I think people like the book. What do you think? And he paused for a bit and, and was thinking about it. And he said, yeah, actually, I, I think you're right. You know, that this was the, the first thing that I read that gave me this big picture. And he said, he said something else which just immediately struck home. He said, I didn't even know I was looking for something that big. I didn't even know I was looking for something that big. And I think it, what he pointed out, which I sort of intuited but, but didn't sort of fully articulate, was that part of the need we have is not just to deal with our own personal problems, our own personal guilt, but to be able to think about and deal with the reality of the world around us. And what what is that reality? You know, even if the theory has been lost, what, what does it look like? I think if you want to find a nice summary of it, you'll, you'll find it in Harry Potter, as many things. If you look at the, the unforgivable curses, the three of them, you got Cruciatus curse, the torture curse, the imperious curse, which produces this happy sensation, you can get someone to do whatever you want them to, and the killing curse. And so right there we have this illustration of the three big problems of human life. Suffering, sin, and death. It's kind of it in a nutshell. And the question is, how do you explain these things? And the Christian answer, the Jewish Christian answer, I should say, is in looking at this, this web that Isaiah talks about, this web which covers all nations. What is that? Well, the narrative of Scripture for the first four pages um, is basically God made the world good. Part of that goodness was he gave people free choice. People used that free choice to choose against God. Everything went bad. And the entire rest of the book after page four is all about how God tries to set things right. That's scripture in a nutshell. Four pages of how this all began, 2,000 pages of all the rest, the fixer-upper story. And I think this is where I, having an idea of original sin and what does that mean is, is, is so important. That, that each of us is not just born into a world that is broken, but each of us is born broken and nobody escapes it. That in us, we, we have concupiscence, this desire for pleasure, divorced from reason. We have a darkening of the intellect. We can't see the truth when it's right in front of us. We have weakness of will. We can't choose the good thing even when we want to, at least not all the time. And there's death. And in the Christian understanding, nobody escapes. Nobody's exempt. And... As uh, the great British writer G.K. Chesterton said, this is really the only Christian doctrine that can be 
proved empirically. Um, and what did he mean by that? He meant, well, you look at the world we live in, no matter what race people are, where they're located, what their religion is, what language they speak, what system of government they have, doesn't matter. You can't have a civilization without something resembling the police. Because sin, it's everywhere and there's no escaping it. Chesterton said, the strongest saints and the strongest skeptics alike took positive evil as their starting point. If it be true, as it certainly is, that a man can feel exquisite happiness in skinning a cat, then the religious philosopher can only draw one of two conclusions. He must either deny the existence of God, as all atheists do, or he must deny the present union between God and man, as all Christians do. The new theologians seem to think it a highly rationalistic solution to deny the cat. I think this is the problem where, when the idea of original sin recedes into the background, we lose this really crucial idea of just why things in the world are bad. And when that true idea goes into the background, when the sun sets on that one, something has to take its place. And far and away, the most popular idea to replace original sin is Marxism, which originated about 150 years ago. And Marx thought it all came down to money and class struggle. It's all about that. All the problems of the world come down to that. You solve that, everything else will be fine. And when you just look at the history of the last 150 years, the followers of Marx who, who didn't have original sin but had this, this different competing idea, you look at the destruction that they wrought from one side of the world to the other, and it's unbelievable, you know, murders in the tens of millions. And that's why this is important. It's not just some kind of stale doctrine. It's something that, that answers a need that we have to understand why the world is as it is. But there's something else that, that original sin gets you besides just an understanding of how bad things are. It also points you in the right direction of looking for the correct answer. And in case you couldn't get it, the right answer is Jesus. But Jesus is only the right answer if you're asking the right question. So if you have a Marxist view, if it's all about class struggle, it's all about money, I don't think Jesus is the answer. How is how's some guy born in a barn, you know, 2,000 years ago going to solve all this? Like, that, that doesn't make any sense. So it's, it's not, it's not going to work. Jesus is only the right answer when you have the right question. And in a way, when you see original sin, like the, the bigness of the problem, it's a much bigger sense of the problem than Marxism. It's huge, you know, and it's in each one of us. And when the solution is that big, you know the solution also has to be that big. And that's what Christianity says, that the problem was so big that God himself had to come down to earth to fix it. That God became man. 
and that he encountered sin, that he suffered death at the hand of sinners, and that he rose from the dead. And when the problem is original sin, that sounds like something like the right answer. So, but it goes back to how are our hearts prepared for that? Are we really willing to look at, at the depth of the problem? And once we do, we are then ready to see the fullness of the solution. And that solution actually was hinted at even in the Old Testament. So what I want to do is I want to leave you with the words of the prophet Isaiah from our first reading, which I think are so beautiful. And, and I want to just leave you with those. So, so close your eyes and we're just going to meditate on, on this for a minute. On this mountain, he will destroy the veil that veils all peoples, the web that is woven over all nations. He will destroy death forever. The Lord God will wipe away the tears from every face. The reproach of his people he will remove from the whole earth. For the Lord has spoken. <laughs>